0: Welcome back to the Crypt of Horrors, folks. This is your host, Wolf Dan, and today we're going to talk about a 2022 film called X. X is a 2022 American slasher film written, directed, produced, and edited by Ty West. It stars Mia Goth in dual roles, a young woman named Maxine, and an elderly woman named Pearl. X is the first in the film series of the same name, consisting of a prequel film titled Pearl, released on September 16th, 2022, and a sequel titled Maxine in development. The film also stars Jenna Ortega, who is proving herself to be quite the scream queen, and quite honestly, I'll watch anything she does. I've loved all of her work so far, and that's also what Hollywood studios are looking for, marketability. Martin Henderson, Brittany Snow, Owen Campbell, Stephen Err, and Scott Muscuti. Set in 1979, the film follows a cast and crew who gather to make a pornographic film on an elderly couple's rural Texas property, but find themselves threatened by the homicidal couple. Truth is, I just bought this DVD a little while ago and finally got to sit down to watch it just a few days ago, and in the first five to ten minutes of the film, I just got these Texas Chainsaw Massacre vibes and I just knew I was in for a good time. This one's a pretty explicit one too. Truth be told, this movie is about a half inch of a camera angle away from NC-17. I pretty much fell in love with this movie all the way through because the cast is great, it has practical effects, and the gore factor is just about right. What I didn't realize while watching this film until I checked out the special features is that Mia Goth played two different roles in this. And she was very impressive. Uh, She played Pearl, the older woman in this movie. Uh, She's part of a relationship that the man feels like he can no longer perform and she kind of feels deprived. But Mia Goth underwent extensive prosthetic makeup to play Pearl. The film is characterized as a contemporary take on Psycho Biddy*. The film draws inspiration from horror, exploitation, and pornographic films and emphasizes the interplay between beauty, aging, and self-worth. You can definitely tell the inspiration from 70s and 80s slasher films in this. Like I said, just a few minutes in, you get Texas Chainsaw Massacre vibes. The film had its worldwide premiere at South by Southwest on March 13th, 2022, and was theatrically released in the United States on March 18th, 2022 by A24. It received generally positive reviews from critics, and this is one of those horror films that did really well. The budget was $1 million and the box office was $15.1 million. That did pretty well. Director Ty West is really making a name for himself in the horror community <clears throat> with movies like The House of the Devil in 2009, The Innkeepers in 2011, The Sacrament in 2013, Cabin Fever 2 in 2009, In the Valley of Violence in 2016, VHS in 2012, *Your Next in 2011, The ABCs of Death in 2012, and The Roost in 2005. Mia Goth is known for her works in Infinity Pool, The House, Mayday, Emma, High Life, the remake of Suspiria, which I'm going to have to revisit because honestly on my first watch I wasn't a big fan. I love the original Suspiria. This one just didn't hold me, but I'm going to have to revisit it. She also did A Cure for Wellness, Everest, Maribone, The Survivalist, and apparently Nymphomaniac. I didn't realize she did that one. Brittany Snow is uh, known for her work in the Pitch Perfect movies. She's also in John Tucker Must Die, The Pacifier, the remake of Prom Night, which I actually didn't hate. She was in Would You Rather, Hairspray, Christmas with the Campbells, Someone Great and Hooking Up. Kid Cudi, who's mainly known for his hip-hop work, plays uh, the character Jackson Hole in this movie. Uh, He is the one male porn star here among the few girls. Steven Err plays Howard in this. He is the older fella in this uh, who's married to Pearl, who has trouble performing, and this is kind of why the murders start to happen. Martin Henderson plays Wayne Gilroy, uh, he's one of the filmmakers. And um, quite honestly, I kind of mistaken him for Matthew McConaughey in this movie. That's who I thought he was. I had to look him up. Karen Gillan is the stunning redhead in this movie. And uh, she's known for movies like Jumanji, The Guardians of the Galaxy, Gunpowder Milkshake, and Oculus. And I don't think I have to go into all that Jenna Ortega has been in. Uh she's become one of those names that everybody knows she's Wednesday she's been in scream she's really making a name for herself as a contemporary scream Queen Owen Campbell plays RJ Nichols who is basically Lorraine's boyfriend in this and also the filmmaker Um, it's his project and his jealousy is what gets the movie going he has built a pretty uh, impressive resume himself with movies as uh, As You Are from 2016, 2017's Super Dark Times, 2022's Candyland X, 2020's My Heart Can't Beat, 2017 The Strange Ones, 2021's Body Brokers, 2019's Depraved, 2017's Blame, 2018 The, Mise- the Miseducation, 2010's The Conviction, 2009's White Lightning. 2019's Above the Shadows, 2010's Bitter Feast, 2018's Nancy. It just, he's got a pretty extensive resume here. Okay, now we're going to get into this movie right after this break. Welcome back, cryptids, to the Crypt of Horrors. As this movie opens, if you didn't know you were watching a movie called X, if you just happened to walk into the house and see this playing on the TV, you would think it was another Texas Chainsaw Massacre movie. We open up to um, cop cars at a murder scene at a house that looks like it's from a Texas Chainsaw Massacre movie. As the camera zooms in, uh, we see the sheriff examining a body laying basically on the driveway just in a bloody mess. As he goes to enter the house, the porch is soaked with blood, and there's an axe sticking in it, and he enters the house and... The camera, we, our view is we're kind of looking down from the second floor. And the view there, honestly, it, it reminds you of uh, 2003's Texas Chainsaw Massacre. And uh, he heads upstairs to meet with his partner to examine the now crime scene. And, of course, wouldn't you know it, the TV has a TV preacher. And uh, it's fun to see how he connects with this movie throughout. It's just a hat tip and an homage to... Um, classic horror movies you know including dom of the dead and children of the corn just it's very interesting how this plays out as the sheriff is checking out the TV and other things in the house uh, his partner says uh, you might wanna come take a look at this and as they head down into the basement or cellar um, you don't see what they're looking at but you can see the expression on their faces and <sighs> clearly there's Something macabre that he's looking at. and uh, As the camera just kind of fades away from him, it uh, takes us to what happened. Um, here we're seeing the crime scene, and we're fading back to what occurred at that crime scene. That We're now going to tell the story. Fair warning, spoilers ahead. If you have not seen this movie and you don't want it spoiled, you might want to pause this podcast now um also i'm pretty liberal on what i let my kids watch um, like i was allowed to watch pretty much whatever i could growing up this is not a kid's movie uh it does have uh graphic mature content um pretty graphic sex scenes honestly uh some of these scenes if the camera was just a half an inch over it'd probably end up with an nc-17 rating this one's not for kids this story opens up with Maxine at the makeup chair uh, doling out lines of coke and snorting them at the, uh, at the mirror. And Wayne walks in and kind of cautions her not to have too much of a good thing as he goes over and gives her a kiss and then tries to give her some encouragement. And You can see in her eyes that she may be battling some insecurities and he gives her some encouragement and kind of walks away and that's when she uh, looks into the mirror and gives herself some encouragement. We then see them filing out one by one luggage in hand from what appears to be a club called the Bayou Burlesque. And they have a really lovely uh, graffiti painting on the side of their uh, wall there. almost looks like a billboard as they head into the van and we see that they are in Houston, Texas. We see them all pile into what appears to be an old Ford Econoline and as the van pulls away, the camera purposefully takes in every letter spelling out plowing service judging by what the weather appears to be in this scene i'm gonna say i was just a mere few months old as they're heading down the road they're channel surfing and they come across the evangelist saying america needs jesus which they don't keep that on very long and we go to the inside of the van where you see them uh, passing out the script for the movie they're doing the farmer's daughters as they're looking over the script, Wayne is commenting on how good things this movie's going to do for them, and Bobby Lynn jokes about how the last movie was supposed to do good things for them, and she talks about how all she wants is a house and stuff, and uh, R.J. is sitting in the back kind of giggling, and she's like, what? People pay good money to see what God gave me. All this time, uh, Lorraine's just kind of sitting in the back, quiet, like a church mouse, which is a nickname they end up giving her. To which Bobby Lynn asks Maxine what her American dream is going to be. They stop by a gas station to get some gas and some supplies, and while Wayne and Maxine are in the store getting some supplies, Jackson's filling the van up, and RJ is trying to get some shots to start the movie, and Bobby Lynn kind of gives RJ the tip that if he shoots it from a certain angle, it'll look like Jackson's filling it with something else. We go back in the store where uh, Wayne and Maxine are checking out and they got a TV on the counter and wouldn't you know it, that same preacher is on that TV preaching against sexual appetites. As they head outside, Wayne asked if uh, they got what they needed, to which RJ says sure did, to which Bobby Lynn says thanks to yours truly, as she walks up to Wayne and asks if he got her smokes. He grudgingly says yes and she's like, I'm sorry, but if you want me to be having sex, I'm going to need some cigarettes. And he asks how the script is, and she's like, well, it's all right. Does it really matter? He says, look, I don't want to be wearing a hard hat for the living do you. She says, no. They all get back in the van, and as they start to pull off, uh, we go back in the store and start zooming in on the evangelist on the TV, saying, God is a forgiving God, but every man has his limits. As you see the van pull away. As they're traveling down the road, they suddenly face some traffic stoppage. Uh, they're passing a the field full of cattle, and apparently a truck got one real good. His headlights falling out with some, looks like innards hanging off of it, and there's just gore everywhere. And you see a disemboweled cow as they're driving through the gore. And whether this is real or not, they <laughs> did a darn good job on it. If it is makeup, that's you, you get a good sense of the gore. This movie. As they pass on, you see a guy shoveling the guts off the road and tossing them in the ditch. As they uh pull into the home that they're going to be staying at, uh he says, here we are, to which uh, Bobby Lynn says, thank goodness, I'm horny. Jackson says, you're always horny. She says, not always, as we see them pull in. As they pull onto this property, you just see acres and acres of land, and then Then suddenly you see this shed and this house, and you actually ask yourself, is this the same house from the Texas Chainsaw Massacre? According to an Entertainment Weekly article, no. We were trying to get Texas right, Wes says, even as his production shifted hemispheres to beat the pandemic. They ended up in Wanganui, North Island, New Zealand, and then we found this house. And it was like, whoa, the exterior, we just lucked out. Were the Kiwi owners cannibals? I'm pretty sure they had just watched Emma. They were like, oh, Mia Goth's great. So this wasn't even filmed in Texas. It was filmed in New Zealand during the uh, pandemic. They were trying to beat it. But yeah, they just lucked out on finding this property. Of course, uh, kudos to the uh, location scouter on that. As Wayne heads up to the door to get things uh, squared away with the property owners, back in the van, Jackson and Bobby Lynn are already kind of going at it. They're making out and stuff. and. Lorraine just kind of gives this look and backs up and then leans over to RJ and she's like, when I agreed to do this, I I didn't expect this. RJ's like, we got to start somewhere, Lorraine. She's like, yeah, but this is smut. RJ's like, when did you become such a prude? She says, I'm not. RJ says, it is possible to make a good dirty movie, Lorraine. He ends up regretting those words later. Back at the front porch of the house, we get our first encounter with Howard, or rather Wayne does, as Howard hollers, who's there? Wayne says, yes, sir, it's Wayne Garroy. We spoke on the phone. Then uh, Wayne is greeted with Howard and a shotgun in his face, asking if he's from the county. And saying in the state of Texas it is legal for him to shoot a trespasser on his property. To which Wayne says, I'm I'm not from the county, sir. We spoke on the phone Tuesday and uh, you you agreed to let us rent the place? He says, oh yeah, you're looking for the place to stay. (laughs) Uh, I'm sorry, but it's a funny exchange. As they're all getting out of the van and unloading the equipment and stuff and taking it to where they're going to be staying. Maxine is getting her stuff out and grabs a magazine off the dash. And Her attention is drawn to the top floor in the window of Howard's house. and She sees a someone staring down at her, which ends up being Pearl. As Howard is leading them through the field up to their quarters, he kind of bends down and has a little bit of a spell, has a coughing fit. And he kind of bends over for a moment and when Wayne notices he's not getting back up, well, standing back up, he kind of goes to tap him on the shoulder to make sure he's okay, and Howard stands up real quick like, I'm fine. And he just leads them on up to their quarters. As they head into the quarters, uh, Howard's like, she much, to which RJ says, she's beautiful. He says, uh, the building was for soldiers during the Civil War, but they didn't see any action, though. And then he turns to Wayne and says, how about you, you serve? To which Wayne points down, two left feet. Then Jackson chimes in, I did two tours down South Vietnam. Had enough farmers shooting at me the last one lifetime. No, what mean, Pops? Kind of taking a jab at the scene that they just witnessed at the house. Then old Howard's eyes are drawn to Maxine and Wayne notices he's uh kind of looking quite a long time and says, Hey, man, <laughs> standing my future uh, wife there. He's like, uh, oh, it's been a while since you've seen something that nice, huh? Which kind of triggers Howard. Howard then comments, I don't remember you mentioning the rest of these guys coming, Wayne. To which Wayne's like, oh, yeah, about that. Your ad says $30. I figured I'd sweeten a deal and hands Howard a wad of cash. To which he actually looks a little insulted. Then Howard's like, I don't much like you, Wayne. Matter of fact, I don't much like the looks of any of y'all. Now my wife's next door, I'd appreciate it if y'all had exercised some discretion. To which Wayne's like, you won't even know we're here. As Howard uh, walks out, they all start comment on the what, what they just saw there, and Bobby Lynn's like, now that is some stellar negotiation, Wayne. <laughs> and, uh, but Maxine, less, uh, impressed, asked how he could just let Howard talk about them like that, and he's like, oh, just, it's all right, just tries to smooth things over, and, uh, then Lorraine chimes in, and, uh, he doesn't know what we're doing here, does he? To which the whole room goes silent, and Wayne's like, so you do speak, Church Mouse? He confesses no, but I am to keep it that way. Now, we don't want to give the old cadre a heart attack now, do we? He says, now it's better to beg for forgiveness and ask for permission. Then Wayne says, enough jibber-jabber. Let's cut to the chase and give these people what they want to see. To which Bobby Lynn turns around on the couch, kind of reminding you of Marilyn Monroe. Kind of like, uh, finally, as we cut to the first nearly NC-17 uh, sex scene with Bobby Lynn and Jackson. As Jackson's taking care of business, RJ is off with the camera having them switch positions and micromanaging the scene basically to which uh Jackson then turns to him and says, Hey, stay in your lane and let me do the screwing. We then see uh Maxine walk outside and light up a cigarette as though, as she prepares for a walk and as she walks past the window you you can hear and see everything going on and you're thinking, Yeah, discretion, huh? Yeah, Pearl has no chance of seeing or hearing this, right? We see Maxine walk down a path to a dock to what appears to be either a large pond or a small lake. Uh, She finishes her cigarette and strips her clothes off and dives in as we see Pearl in the distance kind of watching things. And then we cut to uh, Wayne and RJ leaving the room. And Wayne seems to be questioning RJ's methods and saying that he's not much of a filmmaker, but he knows that's not what people are wanting to see. And... uh, (laughs) To which R.J. says, that's because I'm not treating it like pornography. That is cinema. He said, I'm showing something that these other adult films don't have. To which when uh, Wayne seems to change his tune and says, well, whatever you're doing in there, you keep doing it. Oh, we're going to be rich. He's like, feel how hard I am. To which R.J. actually grabs him. Back inside the room, uh, Bobby Lynn is wiping the sweat and stuff off with a towel and just... Tosses it to the floor and it lands next to Lorraine who clearly looks disgusted and kind of gives her the look knowing that to which Bobby Lynn's like, oh sorry baby girl. Bobby Lynn then comments on Jackson standing next to the window all proud and says, don't stand by that window all proud like that, you didn't do nothing. (laughs) He says, I was born for the last line of work. She says, you didn't do nothing, it's called acting. He said. You good, but you ain't that good, to which she starts making the noises all over again, to which he starts to look a little disappointed. Then Bobby Lynn says, Oh, don't look so glum. You did just fine. Then he sits on the bed and says, I think I love you, to which she says, Oh, bless your heart, and gives him a hit of the cigarette. We then cut back to Maxine uh, floating in the water, and she is completely spread eagle. But you can't see anything because the camera's up too high. And uh, she's just laying there like there ain't nothing in the world wrong. And just enjoying the sunshine and everything. And then all of a sudden we pan over and see uh, it's either an alligator or a crocodile. I'm going to be honest. I have a hard time telling the difference between the two. I-, I think a crocodile snout's a little bit more squared. But I really can't tell on this thing. But it's one of the two. Either way... Not something you want to encounter. I think crocodiles are also a little bit bigger, so this might be a crocodile. But I digress. (laughs) Just showing a little bit of my ignorance there. But um, then we cut back from that creature to Maxine laying in the water again, and all of a sudden you hear a bird call, to which she looks up and sees him flying around, and she decides to start swimming back to the dock. And... You're just, like, facing down from really high up in the air, and you can see her swimming toward the dock, and all of a sudden you see the crocodile or alligator swimming behind her. And it just takes you back to the 80s where, like, you're you're like, oh, crap. You know, and you see her swimming in the dock, and you're in your mind, you're, you're thinking, well, even back to the 70s with Jaws, you're like, swim faster, swim faster. And she somehow don't even register that there's anything behind her. And you just see this thing actually swimming closer to her. She gets to the dock. Not a care in the world. You're thinking, get out of the water, get out of the water. And she finally does at just the nick of time. Uh, You don't see how close the crocodile gets to her, but you know it has to be close. You would think that she could, like, feel his breath on her, how close. But she gets out of the water in time. As Maxine is getting out of the water, we're cutting back to the farm where... They're filming the greeting scenes of Farmer's Daughter, where Bobby Lynn invites Jackson Hole into the home for some orange juice. What the audience is seeing here just screams 70s porn. Like the camera they used even has the imperfections in the screen, as far as like little black dust particles or whatever, you know, in the screen that just kind of has this old look to it. And the bad porn acting. As Bobby Lynn invites Jackson in, we cut back to Maxine, who's walking back up the path toward the house and sees Pearl kind of standing by the her house, kind of staring down at what's going on, and she waves at her. It, it's just so interesting how they did this because <laughs> Mia Goth is playing Maxine and Pearl. Then Pearl turns and heads back into the house and maxine decides to walk up and call out to pearl not by name but um just say hello and then she walks into the house and (laughs) starts kind of uh checking things out and looking around and trying to find her and as she's in the dining room she gets startled by pearl walking in and then we cut to uh where they're filming the farmer's daughters and Bobby Lynn is pouring Jackson a glass of lemonade. I made a mistake in calling it orange juice. She's pouring him a glass of lemonade. As we see this cheesy porn scene unfold, um, yeah, Bobby Lynn's acting really flirty with Jackson, of course, as Jackson takes a drink of the lemonade and says, It's got a good taste. Great dialogue. But it's supposed to be like that, so it, it it gets a pass, and then we cut back to uh, Maxine and Pearl um, having lemonade of their own. Truth is, this scene actually seems more awkward and disturbing than the porn scene. Um, you see Maxine kind of downing the lemonade as if though she's just trying to get done with it and split. But you as the viewer, who have probably seen many horror movies and have seen the Texas Chainsaw Massacre movies, including the remake, are watching this like, but is it drugged? As Maxine finishes the lemonade, she says she should get back so her boyfriend doesn't worry. And then we cut back to where they're actually filming the farmer's daughters. As Bobby Lynn is really teasing Jackson, saying, come with me before daddy gets home in his ear. And then we cut back to Maxine and Pearl walking down the hall of the house and they really do some movie magic here because, again, Mia Goth is playing both parts and you see them both in the same scene. It's just, it's movie magic. And um, you see Pearl kind of walk up to a picture in the house. It's an older picture of her and her husband back at the First World War Um, and she's reminiscing of being young. And then she kind of turns back and admires Maxine's beauty and kind of persuades her back to a mirror, kind of shows herself. And then as Maxine's kind of distracted, Pearl reaches out to touch her. You can see the discomfort in Maxine's face. This is happening while we're also cutting back to Bobby Lynn flirting hardcore with Jackson, uh, taking his hand and putting it on her breast and Saying what her daddy would do if he found them both and then we cut back to Maxine asking Pearl what she's doing and then we see Howard pull in and Pearl says she should go and how this will be the little secret. So Maxine heads outside the house and kind of around the corner watching Howard make sure making sure he doesn't see her as she makes her exit. And as she sees him go through the front door, she then runs down to the home where the rest of the party's staying. As she's running down to the guest house, we get a jump scare as she runs into Wayne, who asks her where she's been. So panicked, she heads back into the house and goes to the uh, bathroom and gets her fix. And looks in the mirror and tells herself, I will not accept the life I do not deserve. We then cut back to Howard, who is uh, taking stuff off his belt and all that and kind of looking around the house, and he walks into the dining room and notices the glass on the table and knows that something's off. We definitely get the sense here that Pearl is in a controlling relationship. Maxine comes out the bathroom where Wayne greets her, and They kiss passionately, and he's like, are you ready? As they head to the barn and set up the scene where she's going to be milking a cow. Bobby Lynn now operates the clapperboard, as she says, farmer's daughter, take one. As we see Jackson walk up to uh, Maxine and say, I was told I could find the farmer out here. And she says, you must have been talking to my sister. He says, sister. He said, she didn't mention you. And she says, I'm not surprised. I'm younger. Get all the attention. She's jealous. He mentions that he was hoping the farmer could get him a ride back to town before it gets dark. As Maxine teasingly sets the milk pail down, she says, we shouldn't disturb him. He gets angry. We wouldn't like him when he's angry. And then she, sa- she looks back provocatively and says, I could give you a ride. It's not exactly the ride he's asking for, but he doesn't turn it down. But before that, we cut back to Howard's house where Pearl is up in her room and at the makeup chair. And th- this is one of the parts of the movie where it really kind of hits you. you know, it, it makes you think about getting older. And She's trying to dole herself up and make herself pretty. She's haunted by... Chasing youth. We then cut back to the guest house where they're filming another scene for the movie. And Maxine is giving Jackson the ride of his life. Like literally, she is totally into it. Lorraine is operating the boom mic, and you can see like a a smile cracking on her face, like she's starting to enjoy this. And then we notice in a window an eerie image of Pearl staring through the window, watching the whole scene. And then we cut back to, uh, we we see the face of Maxine as she's riding Jackson. And it kind of shifts between Maxine's face and Pearl's face and Maxine's face and Pearl's face. And it's a bit disturbing, but as we go through this scene, um, it gets pretty graphic uh at at some angle it looks like you can see some penetration not sure but uh maxine gets off pretty hard and lorraine is just kind of watching this scene like wow we next see an actually painful part of this movie is uh pearl heads back to the house and tries to flirt with howard and tries to get him in the mood and he he explains how we talked about this and how she knows he can't perform and she just wants to feel loved and he can't. We then cut back to the guest house where they put on a record and kind of start partying and celebrating doing the movie and they start bragging on Maxine's performance and saying, now we know why Wayne left his wife for you and Jackson says, yeah, so do I and Bobby Lynn jokingly says, ooh, be careful. We then come to where Lorraine is actually making Maxine uncomfortable by staring at her. And she questions, you know, why she's staring at her. She feels intimidated. And uh, then Lorraine says, I do have one question. To which Wayne says, go ahead, church mouse. And she says, isn't it strange watching her do it with him? And he says, it's just business. As long as the camera's running. all that matters lorraine asks so the camera changes things to which they agree and then rj is like it's not real life it's just a movie lorraine then questions how they define love and how they can be with other people and still love them and then maxine says i got better places to be than worried about outdated traditions Well, her actual quote is, letting outdated traditions control your life will get you nowhere. I got better places to be than where I came from, to which they all say amen. Then she says, you can decide who you want to love, but not who you want to screw. That attraction's out of your control. Then Bobby Lynn jokingly asks Lorraine, do you want a piece of Jackson over here? I saw you looking. He don't mind. To which Jackson says, no, I don't. As he says, no offense to RJ. Then Bobby Lynn justifies things by saying everybody likes sex. Black, white, gay, straight. Truth is, one of these days, we're going to be too old to do it. Then she says, the fact of the truth of the matter is, we turn folks on, and that scares them. Then Wayne talks about how they're making this home video for everyone to enjoy their home and how porn's not going to be just for perverts anymore. Then they all raise their glasses and toast to what they're doing, and then Lorraine pipes up and says, I don't know if I agree with all that, but I did like what I saw today. She says, I didn't think I would, but I did, to which they all say cheers to that. Then Jackson starts playing his guitar, and Bobby Lynn starts singing landslides, which I'm I'm going to be honest, I only knew of the Dixie Chicks version of Landslides. I, I haven't looked this up, but maybe there's an original. Maybe the Dixie Chicks remade that song, but they do a really good tran, ran, trans rendition of it. I gotta say, Britney Snow really has a beautiful singing voice. While the song is playing, we see what, in my opinion, is a pretty depressing split screen where... We also see Pearl in front of the makeup mirror trying to dull herself up and look pretty. And she just wants to feel loved. She sees what they're able to do and reminisces what she used to have. And it's eating at her. As the song ends, we come to a scene that actually kind of, in a way, cracks me up, but I also understand. As the song ends, Lorraine gets everyone's attention by uh, saying, I want to do a scene in the movie. They all kind of look at her like, what? And then RJ looks at her like, what? She's like, I want to be in the movie. He's like, no. She says, well, why not? He says, because no. And then he asks, did you all put her up to this? He's clearly jealous, and quite honestly, I don't blame him. Jenna could be my daughter, but she is beautiful. I don't blame him for his jealousy. She says she's been thinking about it all day, and then he she kind of throws his word RJ's words, back in his face by saying, uh, "If we really are not making a good dirty movie, I don't want to just be carrying the equipment." She says, "I want to be in it," to which RJ says, "Well, you can't." She says, "says Who?" He says, my film, Lorraine. RJ tries to (laughs) make excuses why she can't do it by saying that they've already shot half the film and they can't make changes halfway through. And Lorraine says, why? (laughs) She uses Psycho as an example and says, you love that movie. He says, well, Psycho was a horror movie. And that story was a, a MacGuffin and I'm not making that kind of movie. Then she loses some innocence and says no one is coming to see this movie for the plot and tells him what they're coming to see it for. Which kind of embarrasses him and she's just like, well, it's the truth. Let's just give the people what they're paying for. To which RJ says, I'm making something better than that. And then Lorraine throws words that he said earlier back in his face and says, when did you become such a prude? To which... Wayne decides to defuse the conversation to try to uh, avoid anyone getting hurt. He points out that he's the executive producer, so he has say in it. And asks RJ to step outside before something said that they might regret. As they get outside and Wayne shuts the door, RJ immediately gets defensive and says, You gotta back me up in there, Wayne. Things are about to get out of control and they're awfully close. Wayne tries to reason with him, saying, hey, what is it that they say? Life imitates art? She says it's the other way around, and then Wayne says, it don't matter, but you need to listen because you ain't been 42, and I have been 23. Wayne says, let me tell you something about young women. If she's serious, and I suspect she is, well, she's going to do it whether you like it or not. And if you try to stop her, not only is she going to do it, but she's going to do it with God knows how many people and how many other films. And nobody wants that. Now the way I see it, you only got one option. To which R.J. says, what, letting her get balled by some man whore? To which Wayne says, Jackson's a professional. He can't, he ain't got no diseases or nothing. Then R.J. defensively says, you just want more sex in the movie. To which Wayne says, no, they mean she wants it, you hurt her. Then Wayne says, heck, if she does great, maybe she gets famous, maybe she takes you with her. Then R.J. comes close to stepping out of bounds. He said, no, Wayne, you don't get it. Lorraine is not like the others in there. She is a nice girl. Then Wayne, of course, steps in his face and says, I beg your pardon. R.J. backs off and says, no, I didn't mean it like that. Then Wayne counters with, I hate to be the one to tell you this, but ain't none of them nice girls. We cut back inside where Lorraine is preparing for the scene and she's pretty much in lingerie. She's in panties and a top. RJ walks in and he kind of assesses the situation and you can see he's trying to accept within himself what's about to happen, but he's at a war within himself. As Lorraine removes her cross necklace and Wayne hands him the camera. We see Jackson walk around to the other side of the bed as he prepares for the scene. And you can see as RJ is strapping the camera onto himself that he's crushed. You can see it in his face. He's crushed. As RJ starts to film, we can see Lorraine start to straddle Jackson. And from here, we only see kind of the reflection of the lens. Um, We see her doing something. We we kinda of know what she's doing, but we don't quite get to see it. And for any of you who are hoping to see a naked Jenna Ortega, sorry, but it doesn't happen. Which is kind of amusing because she's like the one actress in this movie that doesn't get nude and I just want to say right here, if you're an actress who's comfortable with getting nude from movies, props to you. But if you're also an actress who isn't comfortable getting nude from movies, props to you you shouldn't have to feel pressured either way to make a good movie we then have a few cutscenes scenes here we see pearl who is laying awake frustrated we cut to the moon we cut to the outside of the guest house and then we cut back to the inside where we see wayne and maxine in bed we see bobby lynn and jackson in bed And then we see RJ just showering and just hating life while Lorraine is lying in bed alone. RJ is showering like he's trying to wash away his sins and he begins to sob in the shower and you kind of get the feeling that, yes, he's broken, but you also kind of get the feeling that Lorraine must have really enjoyed the experience. We get more confirmation of this as he gets out of the shower, gets dressed, and grabs the car keys off the table there and takes off with the car. Real quick, I just want to mention, um, while editing here, I, I can tell that you could probably hear animal noises in the background, whether it be a dog barking or a cat meowing. I love animals. We have animals in our house. I don't have a soundproof studio where I'm recording. I record in our bedroom and... The cats come in and eat and the dog is out barking so you may hear some animal noises. I apologize I try to keep this clean as possible but it is what it is. And before we continue we're going to take a quick break. Fasten your seatbelts slasher fans <laughs> we're about to have some fun on the cryptophores. So as RJ is attempting to just leave with the van, he all of a sudden comes up on Pearl, almost hits her. He slams on the brakes to avoid hitting her and kind of stares at her real quick and then gets out of the van to check on her and make sure she's okay. We then kind of get this ominous feeling as the stereo is playing Don't Fear the Reaper and then we see her kind of take him in an embrace and kind of caresses back and she's trying to flirt with him she then tries to kiss him and he asks why she would do that And she then tries to unbutton herself as she asks why he don't look at her the way he looks at the other girl he appears genuinely grossed out as she uh, attempts to reveal her top and says i can show you what i'm capable of and he says stop i don't want to see it he then suggests that maybe we should go find your husband as suddenly he gets stabbed in the throat by a knife he straddles backwards as blood is spraying and he falls to the ground as don't fear the reaper starts playing louder as pearl straddles him and gets on top of him and Grabs a knife out of his throat and just starts stabbing him. And just starts overkill stabbing him. And this is going to remind you of Rob Zombie's Halloween and Halloween 2. is she just, just stabs, and stabs and stabs and stabs and stabs and doesn't stop. This is also the first kill of the movie. And the first peek we get at how over the top this movie's going to be. We then see Pearl kind of looking at herself showered in blood and there's apparently music playing in her own head that's different from what's playing in the van that's what you start to hear and as she's kind of just looking at the blood on her and kind of doing a dance around and then, then all of a sudden we hear don't fear the reaper coming back on the radio as she reaches in the van and turns the key off we then cut back to the guest house where lorraine in bed is rolling over and Goes to put her arm around RJ who isn't there and notices he's missing. And just from my personal perspective, this is just how the way I am. Um, even if you rip my heart out like that, I'd still be in the bed. Hoping you feel guilty about what you just did. But RJ's not there and she notices he's not there. She then raises up in bed and then we see her leaving the room and Heading downstairs, checking out the house, trying to see where he is. And then she goes towards the front door and opens it and looks out. And then all of a sudden we see Wayne's hand come over her shoulder and grab her and scares a life out of her. She obviously swings back in a defensive motion. He says, whoa, church mouse. And she says, I'm looking for RJ. You don't think he left me, did you? Do you? He's like, well, the van's still here. He says, hey, it's not like your dog ran off. And she says, you don't think I hurt him, did you? What you see here, she genuinely didn't want to hurt him. But at the same time, it's like, you know you broke his heart. You know you ripped it out. While he may be used to filming scenes like this and filming adult films and filming other people being not monogamous with their partners in other scenes, It's a little different when his girlfriend is part of it. Wayne tries to calm her down and encourage her by saying, You didn't do nothing wrong. He'll get over it. He just needs to toughen up is all. Says, I'll talk to him in the morning. To which she says, Can you help me find him, please? He kind of sighs, being in nothing but his underwear and not wanting to get in the middle of their stuff. He grudgingly agrees to help her out, but says, I ain't getting in the middle of this crap. Spoiler alert, while it's taking a while to get to the first death scene, from here on out, it's boom, boom, boom. As Wayne heads out to the barn to look, uh, Lorraine kind of heads toward the house direction, and then she notices Howard standing out on the porch, and she realizes she's caught, and she's like, I'm sorry, I'm looking for my boyfriend. And then Howard's like, have you seen my wife? And then we cut to the barn where... uh, Wayne is <laughs> kind of giving RJ, who is not there, a couple simple tips. Is like two keys to keeping a healthy relationship. Always keep her in your sight and never mention her weight. He says, how do you think I've been surrounded by beautiful women my whole life? There's an art to it. And then there's some predictable scenes coming up as the camera shows you to nail it. He's getting ready to step on one thing that nail was a trap but it got him pretty good too because as you see him shine a light to pull the board off you just see blood shower as he pulls the nail out of his foot as he is writhing in pain he's just uh, rj are you in here i just stepped on a nail come out and help me for christ's sake this next part is so predictable um, he notices the movement past some holes that are clearly purposely built, drilled into the, the wall here in the barn. And he says, Church Mouse, RJ, is that you? And he goes and kneels before these holes and starts looking out of them. I'm sorry if my amusement annoys you, but the predictability of this, the movie's fun, the movie's great. But some things are just so predictable. He starts looking from hole to hole and suddenly gets stabbed in the eye by a pitchfork. We then cut to the inside of Howard's house where Howard is digging a flashlight out of the drawer for Lorraine and saying, Here's a flashlight. There's another light down in the cellar. Please, my wife could have fallen and broken her hip. He is clearly being manipulative here. As we see Lorraine enter the cellar steps, we then cut back to uh, the pitchfork being pulled out of Wayne's face with his eyeball being ripped out. And then we see um, Pearl with a very bloody nightgown walking into the barn with a pitchfork and she appears to be shoveling straw on top of Wayne's body like she's trying to cover it. We then come back to Lorraine who is descending the cellar stairs and she runs down with her flashlight and then says found it and runs back upstairs to try to tell Howard and notices the door is locked. She can't go anywhere. She says hey I'm locked in. And then she redescends the stairs to run down and shines the light around and. Then you, as the audience, get to see this horrific scene just before Lorraine turns around and sees it herself of RJ strung up, completely naked, and just horrific looking. If they did makeup on this, they did a great job. If it's a prop, it's a great job. And then we see her shining a light and seeing all of this, and we see the look of genuine horror on her face as she just screams. We then cut back to the guest house where Bobby Lynn is cuddling Jackson in bed. Jackson rises up feeling something is off. Bobby Lynn <clears throat> rises up and asks if anything's wrong and he says I don't know just go back to bed. He then gets up and goes to the uh, dining area and gets some milk out of the fridge and takes a drink and he notices a flashlight out in the yard and it's Howard out there with a shotgun. and. Uh, Jackson asked him if anything's wrong. He's like, it's my wife. She's gone missing. He's like, that's a lot of firepower to look for a wife. Then he says, there's gators out there by our pond, which answers the earlier question about if it's gators or crocodiles. It's a gator. But um, then Jackson asked if he could use some help. This is a bad idea. Howard nods, and Jackson says, let me go get my skivvies. And he goes and gets his clothes on. And as he's leaving the house, we then see from the other side of the house uh, looks like someone is walking toward a bedroom, and then we see Pearl on the side of the bed, a uh, uh, Maxine's bed, getting completely naked and climbing in the bed with her. We then cut back to Jackson and Howard at the pond, and Jackson is suggesting that they split and go to two different go to different areas, and Howard's like, "I only have one light." And then Jackson talks about what he did as a Marine and says, once a Marine, always a Marine. She's out here. I'll find her. We then cut back to Pearl in bed with Maxine, and she's starting to get a little handsy. Um, (laughs) Starts caressing her and moving her mouth across her body and stuff. And it's really impressive because if you think about it, Mia Goth is playing both characters and how they did this. I don't know, but Mac- Pearl's getting fresh with Maxine. And then we cut back to uh, Jackson uh, scanning areas in the in the pond. He notices a Volkswagen Beetle. Looks like it was driven into the pond. and He starts to walk toward that way and is like, Hey, Pops, you down there? And he, he walks down into the water and stuff and says, Pops. And then he notices the flashlight, which he said he had only one light, but he notices the flashlight just kind of laying there, and he starts digging in the water like, Pops, are you in there? And then we cut back to uh, in the cellar of uh, Howard's house where Lorraine's locked in, and she's trying to bust the uh, cellar door open, and she runs back down the stairs and starts looking for anything that might help her, and she grabs an axe and runs back up to it, and then we cut back to Jackson walking up from the path and running into Howard. Jackson's like, whoa, you scared the crap out of me. And then Howard mocks him like, once a Marine, always a Marine. He's like, yeah, well, your wife's not down there. and Then Howard starts mentioning how he can't give her what she wants anymore and how he knows his type and running around here with hardly any clothes on and enticing his wife. And then Jackson's kind of taken back like, what? Jackson says, we better get back up to the house and see what's going on, to which Howard says, I know exactly what's going on. Pulls out the shotgun and just blows Jackson away. We then cut back to Pearl in bed with Maxine, and Maxine rolls over and sees her in the bed, and she screams bloody murder and gets Bobby Lynn's attention, who uh, gets out of bed and runs to see what's going on, and then Pearl just runs by her naked and... Bobby lynn's taking the bag and then she runs to the room where maxine is and maxine's screaming about how she was in just in her bed touching her and then we cut back to uh where lorraine is taking the axe and trying to bust through the door uh up the steps from the cellar lorraine busts through a panel in the door but she honestly busted through the wrong one uh she should have busted through the other one that was closer to the latch but uh as she's trying to reach over and unlock the door, all of a sudden her, her hands get busted by uh, Howard with the nose of the shotgun. Just He mangled her fingers pretty good and told her to get back down in the basement and wouldn't shut up. And then he turns on the TV set where, once again, we see the preacher uh, talking about sex fiends living in Christian houses right under her nose. Bobby Lynn goes out to try to find Pearl to try to help her and then sees her down at the dock of the pond goes down there and tries to persuade her to come back and um says that she understands forgetfulness and that she was thinking about being a nurse and then all of a sudden Pearl just slaps her <laughs> real rude like and Bobby Lynn's like, What was that for? And then Pearl accuses her of flaunting her stuff around and uh then uh, Bobby Lynn's like, Look, I'm sorry if you didn't live the life that you wanted to and Then she tells her to get out of her way, and then she tries to shove herself through. Pearl just shoves her into the pond, and then you see this Lake Placid-type alligator just jump out of the pond, and that's the end of Bobby Lynn. Howard comes down there, and he's like, was that the one? Pearl's like, you know I don't like blondes. Then we see Maxine scrubbing herself like she's trying to get the plague off of her after, you know what it'd be like. Then uh, she starts uh, looking for Lorraine and R.J., and then she hears something outside, and notices uh, Howard and Pearl coming up to the guest house, and she just dips. She gets out, and then all of a sudden you see Howard come in, shotgun raised, just kind of looking around, and he starts looking through the house, and he's like, well, the house is empty. What about that Wayne fella? And Pearl says he's out in the barn, stuffed like the piggy was. And Howard says, that's three down, and Pearl says, four. And Howard's like, well, I got one over at the house for you. Pearl says, I don't want her. She's something different. She's special. Pearl says she's tired of never getting what she wants, and Howard says, you know I want to give it to you, Pearl, but I'm tired, too. And Pearl says, tell me I'm special. And Howard says, you know you are. I've felt that way since the first moment we met. Pearl just feels unloved and unwanted, and I get it. And Howard says, you're the most beautiful woman i ever seen. She says, not anymore. Howard says, always. Honestly, I have to respect that. He's, he's a good man in that way. They're doing some bad stuff, but he loves his wife. Then Pearl attempts to seduce Howard and opens her blouse and says tell me you still want me and has to put his hands on her breasts Then her top comes down and Howard just looks at her and says uh, But what if my heart can't take it and Pearl says it can So Pearl gets her way as Howard attempts to Give her what he can and <laughs> As they're doing it on the bed the the camera pans below and we see Maxine is right under the bed they're having sex on. This is hilarious. This next scene is actually kind of disturbing. <laughs> my my wife has a saying, uh, whenever old people start talking sex stuff, she's like, "Ew, old people sex." And well, this is next level. Poor Maxine is under the bed as Howard is giving her what he can. Ah. If you've ever seen the movie Nothing But Trouble with uh, John Candy and Dan Aykroyd, and I believe Demi Moore's in that too. But um, you, you got the two twin boys in there that are kind of mutants. That's kind of what this gives me vibes of is those two mutants doing it. It's, It's, it's hideous. As Howard and Pearl are going at it, Maxine is under the bed trying to, as quietly as possible, sneak out of there and somehow without vomiting. Uh, (laughs) But she manages to slip out. She quietly slips out of the room, and you see her run up to the van, and then she hears screaming coming from inside Howard's house, which we know is Lorraine, and uh, she also sees what's left of RJ laying in front of the van. So she reaches inside the van in the glove compartment, grabs the gun, and heads into Howard's. As Maxine walks into the house to see where the screaming coming from, all of a sudden Lorraine just kind of bum-rushes the door and like, let me out of here, and screaming, and Maxine says, keep your voice down, as she works to undo the latch. Lorraine says she needs to get out of here, and these people are crazy, and she needs to get out before they kill her too, and Maxine says we need to find the keys to the truck, and Lorraine just kind of ignores that and says, I never should have listened to you. Maxine says we need to stick together and Lorraine just screams I hate you. I hate you all so much and you can also see in her face that she's feeling the guilt of what she did. This is actually the part that really shocked me when I I, I first watched this movie. I wasn't expecting this to come up. A lot of the stuff in the movie is kind of predictable but this I didn't expect. uh, Lorraine is running out of the house trying to get out and all of a sudden you hear a blast As as Howard blows her away. Then he says, I told her to stay in the basement. Then Pearl says, "Uh, that's all right. We don't need her anymore. We got each other. And Howard says, help me drag the body in the house. If she's inside, that's self-defense. That's the law. These folks are crazy. While Howard is reasoning with Pearl on how they're going to dispose of the bodies and not get caught, Maxine is fearfully standing inside the house waiting for her opportunity to flee. As Howard drags uh, Lorraine inside, you you get a really good shot of her face is blown half off. (laughs) All Howard can say is she's heavier than she looks. But the makeup job they did on her, wow. Maybe I'm just twisted or demented, but Some macabre things just make me laugh like this. (laughs) It's kind of karma, too. As Howard's dragging the body in, all of a sudden, uh, you know how in death, certain muscles just make movements (laughs) even though the body's dead? Well, she kind of gurgles or something and (laughs) apparently scares Howard into a heart attack as he just slams up against the wall and just drops in cardiac arrest. As Pearl's kneeling down the try to help Howard uh Maxine decides it's a good time to come out of hiding and uh ask where the keys are for the truck and <laughs> Pearl thinks she could just ask for help for Howard <laughs> Maxine's like I don't care where's the keys to the truck and she says we're in the kitchen and she goes to get the keys we also cut over to the preacher on the TV who's talking about the crossroads of salvation and it kind of goes along with what's going on in this scene Maxine tells Pearl she's gonna rot for what she's done and then Pearl gets all defensive and says, For what I've done. I seen what you did in the barn, you filthy whore, and all this time uh, the TV preachers going on and stuff, and this also is a great demonstration of what brainwashing can do. I'm gonna take this opportunity to preach a little bit. But don't worry, not <laughs> Going in any sermon, they're open to the Bible or anything like that. I'm just going to say this, okay? I'm spiritual or religious myself, but it—if you go to a church or anything like that, if you're part of any kind of religious group that tries to brainwash you and teach you that it's okay to you know be violent towards sinners, air quotes—you need to find a different place to go. You can be whatever religion you want, believe what you want, but it. If your faith is condoning you to hurt others for that faith, there's something wrong. You need to re-examine that faith. Now I think that's what Ty West is attempting to explain with cinematic art here by using this TV preacher and how his messages affect these people and how they thought that they had the right to take the lives of sinners, air quotes, uh, they just think they're in the right, no matter how much evil they do, they think they're in the right. I mean, look at cults like David Koresh and there's cults out there now that it's just crazy. Folks think for yourselves. Have your faith, but think for yourselves. And if your faith is teaching you to hurt people, rethink it. And then Pearl looks at Maxine and says, Uh, You're just like me. You're gonna end up just like I am and Maxine says, I am nothing like you. You're a kidnapping, and murder, and a sex fiend, and I'm a star. And it sounds like Maxine and the TV preacher saying the same thing at the same time, but Maxine's saying, I will not accept a life I do not deserve. Maxine screams at Pearl to stop staring at her. She raises the revolver and goes to shoot her. She pulls the trigger, and guess what? Th- this is what I don't get. Someone carrying a gun in their in their vehicle with no ammo. What? Why do you even have it? That's, I don't even understand these laws that say uh, you can have the gun in the glove box and the ammo in the trunk or whatever. What good does that do if someone tries to carjack you? But I digress. I'm not going into politics. I'm just saying this right here is a situation that I'm talking about. So she pulls the trigger. Nothing fires. <laughs> and then Pearl's like, oh, yeah. And this part's hilarious i I rolled on this part, sorry if that's twisted, whatever I actually rewound this part like three times because I'm like, did I just see this? But Pearl raises the shotgun and goes to shoot Maxine. Maxine dives out of the way. <laughs> As Pearl pulls the trigger, she blows herself out of the house. It's hilarious. You have to watch this movie. I can't do it justice just explaining it. But as Pearl pulls the trigger, she literally flies out of the house. She blows herself out. Then, as we see Maxine kind of taking a breather and getting ready to get up, uh, we also see the TV in the same frame. As the preacher's saying, now that's what I call divine intervention. The Lord smiles on those who accept him. Praise be to the Jesus. Then as Maxine walks out of the house, Pearl's begging for help. Maxine just puts her uh, finger to her lips and goes, shh, tell her to be quiet. <laughs> and then as Maxine's going to the truck and Pearl just starts slandering her and, Calling her a whore and saying it'll all be taken away from her. And Maxine gets in the truck and just runs her over. And I was honestly cheering at this part. Honestly, if you like gore, this is for you. This is kind of on the level of Dario Argento or Lucio Falci type gore. It's just, I love the makeup work. But (laughs) she backs the truck up and runs over Pearl's head. You hear the crunch, you see all the gory mess. Maxine's like, it'll be our little secret. She then runs over her head forward, and you see part of her head just kind of fall off. It just separates. It just, ah, uh, and then the truck drives off. Then we uh, cut to the inside of the truck and see see Maxine driving off, and she says, divine intervention. And then she pulls her little fix out and uh, snorts it, and honestly, I don't blame her at this point. She's been through hell. It's going to help her stay awake for the drive, honestly. (laughs) And then she says, praise the Lord. As Maxine is driving off, we then cut back to the aftermath where the uh, police are investigating the crime scene and the TV's playing. And then everything comes full circle as the preacher is talking about his daughter who is taken away by sin. And he pulls a cover off a picture of Maxine. Yes, I I told you how this would play out earlier on. Maxine is a preacher's daughter who (laughs) rebelled like crazy. One cop says, what do you reckon happened here, Sheriff? He says, how the hell should I know? Then another cop uh, brings up the video camera and says, look at this, boss. I found this. He's like, what do you reckon's on here? (laughs) And he says, well... By the looks of it, one really messed up horror picture. And then we cut to the title of X. I'm just going to say this was a really fun movie to watch. Um, I am going to seek out Pearl. Check it out. I'm looking forward to Maxine when it comes out. Just a fun movie to watch. I recommend you track it down. I bought it at Walmart for like 5 bucks, I believe, out of the, out of the bin. But find it, buy it, eBay, Amazon, whatever you got to do. Um, it's a fun movie. Also, if you buy the movie, uh, you'll see in the special features there's a making a featurette where it it shows what Mia went through to transform into Pearl, and it's just it's awesome. Um, (laughs) there's also the actual movie that they were filming, uh, the Farmers' Daughters. It it, it's funny though because I I watched that segment of the movie. It didn't have any of the sex in it. It was just the storyline. But it's still great. Still recommend getting the movie. Hope you enjoyed the show. And I now have a new computer. I have been working on this show for a couple weeks now. Because uh, working with uh, the Chromebook, that just, it was terrible to edit with. It was just slow. Uh, I now have a MacBook Pro. It's not a new computer, but it's new to me. And it appears to be working very smoothly. So I'm hoping to pump out more content more regularly now, and I hope you enjoy what I'm putting out. Um, Please uh, reach out to me, uh, Facebook Messenger, Wolf Dan, or Instagram at WolfDan1978. Um, I'm also on Twitter. But um, please reach out or email me at MonstersquadForever at Yahoo.com. But I hope you enjoyed The Crypt of Horrors and X correction on instagram that is wolf dan seventy eight